2: Hey there, from KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Marisa Lagos. And
0: I'm Scott Schaefer. And today on The Breakdown, with a government shutdown averted, at least for now, debates are still raging within the Democratic caucus over spending on childcare, infrastructure, and more. We're going to get an on-the-ground update from the nation's capital with a veteran Bay Area lawmaker.
2: That's right. Congresswoman Anna Eshoo is taking a break from floor sessions and negotiations to give us some insight into what is actually going on in D.C. She's a longtime ally of the woman in the thick of the action, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We'll talk with her in just a couple minutes. But Scott, closer to home, uh, big bills signed today, Thursday, by Governor Gavin Newsom around policing. I would say the the most sort of high profile is SB2. This is going to actually allow the de- certification of police officers who are found guilty of misconduct.
0: Yeah, and this is a case, you know, California loves to say we're the leading state on all these issues. We're actually way, way behind on this. I think there were 46 other states that allowed some form of uh, taking the badge away from uh, officers. So now we join those other 46 states. uh, And we've seen that time and again, uh, where an officer is accused of wrongdoing and leaves a force, goes up the street, up the road, joins another one, does something else there. And then it's like, well, how did that happen? Well, hopefully this will address some of those uh, problems. Yeah,
2: and, and shout out to our colleagues, Suki Lewis, Alex Emsley, Lisa Pickoff-White, who have really detailed that because we've had some other laws open up some of those records, which were also closed and, yeah. and behind the times. A lot of opposition
0: um, to those and this from the police chiefs and others. Law enforcement right. still has a lot of sway in the Capitol.
2: Yeah, and also another bill uh, that really came out of the George Floyd protest of 2020, this one to ban the use in most cases of things like tear gas and rubber bullets to really, um, I think, put into statute the idea that police officers don't, because there is one or two violent persons in a crowd, they can't just sort of disperse the entire crowd using force. Uh, This is something media organizations fought for really hard. Um, And I think it shows just the kind of path that not just the state is on, but that Newsom is on really seems more open to this than his predecessor. Yeah,
0: very much so. And also it's a contrast with what's happening or not happening in Congress, you know, where there was some effort, I think with Cory Booker and Tim Scott from South Carolina to kind of come to Together to some sort of agreement on reform that didn't happen. I think that bill in Congress is officially dead now, but at least California is uh, maybe showing the way.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then we should also say uh, a couple other bills signed in the last week we didn't talk about last week, but huge climate spending package, huge housing package, really taking aim at single family zoning in California. Uh, so we'll be keeping our eyes on that. Also, we are San Franciscan, Scott. I'm a San Franciscan. This is a statewide show. Why should people care? We're gonna get a new assembly member. <laughs> <And> <laughs> well, first, yeah, yeah first after some musical yeah, chairs. Yeah, David
0: Chu, the one of the uh, the assembly member from one of them from San Francisco, has uh, been a uh, uh, picked by Mayor Breed to be the new city attorney to replace Dennis Herrera on Halloween, or I guess November first, uh, officially. Uh, and that'll trigger all these special elections uh, for his seat, at least. And then some of the people running for his seat, one of them at least, is on the board of soup. So if he wins, then Mayor Breed will get an appointment. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, just, we thought there are no more. Off-year elections, uh, nor, nor off-years when it comes to elections.
2: No, I mean, coming on the tails of the recall, we're now looking at this. There's there's other recall attempts at the local level here in and in Los Angeles and other places. I mean, it does feel never-ending. Let's not forget June is the primary for the yeah. 22 midterms. It's on my birthday. But, uh, but that... I think you know, we should mention that one of the reasons that Chu is getting this opportunity to become city attorney is because of this wide ranging corruption probe by the FBI and US attorneys into San Francisco. Chu is replacing the former city attorney who's now heading our public utilities commission, I think a one and a half billion dollar entity. The previous guy got accused of essentially taking bribes, bribes. from, yeah. from contractors and, and had resigned. to resign.
0: Yeah, and of course now Chu inherits that investigation of Dennis <laughs> Dennis agency, which is a little awkward, but he's—he says those investigations will continue, and uh, he, you know he's It's interesting because they're. There's no shortage of things to look into in San Francisco politics, I think, when it comes to public integrity. And, you know, he is vowing, David she was vowing to kind of make that a, you know, maybe not the priority, but a top priority, at least.
2: Yeah. And I think that this really, I mean, is uh, this probe is probably still ongoing. We know that there's been a lot of questions about it. I mean, I think we should say for, for a statewide audience... Regardless of how nasty this <laughs> impending assembly fight could be, it's probably not going to change that much in Sacramento, right? You're going to have like one liberal Democrat from Sac- San Francisco yeah. or another. Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: Gavin Newsom <laughs> was considered moderate, you know, by San Francisco standards. Uh, okay. And now he's, of course, you know, seen nationally as a, a, a very liberal, I would say. It's fair <laughs> yeah, say. It's,
2: like, it's like, are you progressive or are you yeah. very progressive? Shades of Blue. Shades All of right. Blue. Well, we have very important things to talk with our guest about. So we're going to take a short break and bring her in. When we return, we'll be joined by Democratic Congresswoman Anna Eshoo. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio.
1: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book.
0: dot org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
2: Welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Marisa Lagos here with Scott Schaefer. And today we are thrilled to have Congresswoman Anna Eshoo. She's a Democrat who represents the 18th Congressional District in the Bay Area. That includes Palo Alto, Mountain View, Stanford and parts of San Jose. Representative Eshoo, welcome to The Breakdown. Thank you. Wonderful to be with you. Well, we're really excited to talk to you because you literally just came on our show leaving the floor of Congress after voting on that continuing resolution to get the government funded at least for another few months. And so we should say that we're, we are taping this Thursday afternoon. Who knows what could happen in the coming hours? But we're curious, like, what is the vibe there now with that at least government funding piece, you know, taking care of? How are things feeling in the halls of Congress?
1: Well, I think it's very tense, uh, and for good reason. Uh, we have uh, some of the largest issues uh, that we have to deal with. Um, we have to pay the bills of the country that were accrued, not future spending. That's not that's a future budget, but what has been spent. That's called uh, the debt ceiling. Um, we we have to have. Uh, money to keep going so that social security checks can go out, veterans benefits. I mean, I could go on and on. That's a very, very long, important list. And so we uh, now have passed the continuing resolution. We don't want the government to shut down. Uh, We have the bipartisan infrastructure bill uh, that has been sent over from the Senate. And then we have Build back better, uh, which is uh, uh, it is the president's domestic agenda. So we're walking uh, political tightropes, uh, and we are because we have to produce uh, even with our very very sliver razor edge uh, margin. American people are not interested in in uh, narrow margins. Yeah. They're, they're are getting the job done and governing,
0: but it's tough. Well, and these votes today uh, were both bipartisan uh, in many ways in the Senate and the House. In some ways, that was the easy one because, uh, you know, they didn't really want to be blamed for uh, shutting down the government. Nobody really wins. You were there in 1994 in Congress when Newt Gingrich led a shutdown of the government when Bill uh, Clinton was president. What do you, you know, how does this situation today, just the general vibe, to use Marisa's word, how does it compare?
1: Well, uh, when I think back to that uh, to that shutdown, Scott, um, put the country through hell. It put the American people through hell. And, uh, you know, something that is that intentional, you know, uh, I'm going to do this to you. And it's a form of torture. And uh, and I don't care whether you like it or not. I mean, this is that's
0: un-American,
1: I I don't get it. Uh, You know, these these are all votes that we need to take as members of Congress. Uh, The framers placed the issue of the nations, uh, uh, the full faith and credit of the United States in the constitution. So we have U.S. in front of our names, it's our job. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. But uh, we uh, on most of this, we have to produce on our own. It's not a Republican vote. So that's what makes it so tough. Right. Well, let's um, talk I'm about sure. that. because. I mean, yeah,
2: cuz a big part of this debate is this internal, you know, kind of tension between more moderate Democrats, uh, you know, everybody I think does support the infrastructure deal, but there is a sense among progressives that you can't, you know, pass it until you get that bigger agenda through. Um, what is it like, you know, we're hearing so much in national media about Senator Manchin and cinema. I'm just wondering like what it is like for you as somebody who's served there for a long time. Are you personally frustrated? Like how are you dealing with this internal democratic debate?
1: I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Um
0: uh, what uh, don't you like? I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I might, I think that there are uh you know, that there are uh some members that have exhibited to me, at least, that they're amateurs uh, because, uh, uh, you know, you're dealing with the uh, with the well-being of the nation. In my, uh, you know, where I come from, I see that the American people uh, have uh, really been through hell, in plain English. Uh, this pandemic has upended everyone's life in some way, shape or form. I think it's so important to remember where the people of our country are. And this business of, well, I don't want that. I want this bill first, but then I want the other one. And I don't think I like something in the bill. You know what? Consensus is the oxygen of democracy. I don't like everything in every bill either. Uh, But uh, that's not the point. Uh, You have to be able to develop consensus and move things. So uh, my sensibilities are that um, uh, we will get
0: this done because we have to. Couldn't you argue, I mean, you know politics very well. You've been in it for decades. I mean, couldn't you argue that these people, the progressive uh, caucus who are holding up the vote on the infrastructure bill, are using the leverage at the only time they really have it? This is their maximum point of impact in terms of affecting the ultimate outcome. And as you say, it may all ultimately pass, but now is the time for well, them both to Both sides that. are
2: using that leverage, right? I mean, Manchin and Sinema are using their yeah. leverage, yeah, too. Totally. Yeah, totally.
0: Oh, yeah, both houses. Yeah. But Democrats, all Democrats.
1: I don't think that um, it's only, you know, self-proclaimed progressives or whatever. Does anyone in the Democratic caucus honestly believe that Speaker Nancy Pelosi is going to take a walk from uh, putting through the Congress the vision of the President of the United States? So I, I don't, uh, uh, you know, people say this is the moment. yes. I think it is the moment. And I think that we need to rise. We need to produce. We need to govern. And uh, I don't want it jeopardized. So some people see it as an opportunity for leverage. I just say straight away, let's just get our work done. Uh, and uh, uh, look, this is what the man ran on. Right. And people elected him.
2: And it's universally yeah. popular policies. I mean, if you look at polling. Yeah.
1: Policies in the uh, Build Back Better legislation—it really is beautiful legislation. I mean, there's <laughs> so many really marvelous things in it. No, there are, and and uh, uh, and the American people—Independents, uh, Republicans, Democrats—they support these policies. Uh, and it'll be transformational. It's very exciting. So you know, the American people are now being subjected to watching sausage being made. They don't know reconciliation and continuing resolutions from a doorknob. So uh, this is like kind of an inside uh, conversation, but suffice it to say, we have to get it done. Yeah,
2: I'm just giggling because you know you're you've been a lawmaker for a while and you're calling legislation beautiful. Um, if you are just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. I'm Marisa Lagos here with Scott Schaefer. We're talking to Bay Area Congresswoman Anna Eshoo. I mean, you brought up you know Nancy Pelosi. We saw this video of her at the bipartisan baseball congressional game last night, working the phones. We all assumed she was like negotiating. I think at one Twisting point, arms, yeah, maybe. I think at one point this morning during her news conference. She She said this is the fun part. I mean, (laughs) can you talk about what you see as her role in this? And and it sounds like you put a lot of stock in her political abilities to get this done.
1: Well, I certainly do, because uh, uh, she is a a trusted place uh, to place our trust uh, because she knows how she knows who uh, she's a weaver. She understands people. She, first of all, she understands the passions of people across the country, what, needs, what the needs are. And uh, she understands what motivates each member, I think, better than they may even know themselves. And, uh, uh, and uh, it, I think it's pretty safe to say we're all counting on her. Now, you have to bring some cooperation uh, and help to her to strengthen her hand, uh, but there isn't anyone that is as, uh, uh, as a gifted. And uh, she is, I think, singularly the most consequential speaker in the history of our country.
0: When, when you say do things to strengthen her hand, what do you mean?
1: Well, I, I think that um, it doesn't always help uh, for members to be negotiating on TV. I mean, I'm just being upfront with you, you know? Uh, And, um, you know, it has an effect on people. It confuses. I spoke to uh, uh, constituents at home during the day, uh, some from, you know, the nonprofit community, and um, they're confused and they're worried. So, you know, you bring people with you with whatever you're doing. So, uh, but I I would also say that's not my style either. Uh, but, you know, especially for newer members, you're on TV, boy, you have arrived, you've been interviewed by whomever. So I, I don't think that that's necessarily helpful. But and I understand why it's attractive. Um, and that's what Some people do.
2: Well, one person who's not doing that is Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona. She seems to play a big role in at least our perception of getting this deal done. What is your understanding of what she's looking for? I mean, we're not seeing the same kind of... I don't know if demands is the right word because we don't really know what she wants, but opposition Obstinence. to this build back better plan from Mark Kelly, who's also a moderate Democrat from Arizona. I mean, do you have any sense of what the sticking points are here?
1: Well, I served with her in the House. Yeah. So, um,
0: You think she's changed?
1: No. I think she is what she is. And uh, uh, she's never turned her cards over. I think that she is a um, a follower of uh, Manchin, of Senator Manchin. Uh, so I've never seen her negotiate anything. Uh,
0: do you feel like she ultimately? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think a lot of uh, Rokana, your colleague from Silicon Valley, was on Morning Edition this morning on a, um, NPR, saying that you know, hey, Mansion, you can trust him. You know, he'll he's ultimately votes the way most Democrats want him to. But with cinema, like, yeah, it's a black box. Like nobody knows what she wants. She won't say what she wants. Um, so do you feel you say she's a follower of Manchin, but I mean, you know, Kana is saying, well, they're they're actually pretty different. And here's why. And they're, they also represent very different states.
1: Well, maybe he knows her better than I do. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really can't say much more. I, I don't. Uh, she was not known for being productive in terms of a serious legislator when she was in the House. Uh, I don't know i can't think of a time where she was uh, put in charge of negotiating anything and now in this um she's never really uh, put any legislative cards on the table uh, objected to policies that are in uh, the build back better act so um i can't help but think sometimes that there's some people that really crave a lot of attention.
2: That may be true for a lot of lawmakers. I want to ask you, though, and, and this is related to cinema, but more broad, which is that we've seen a lot of pushback around the, the prescription drug negotiating benefits. Right. And this is, as you point out, something that is pretty popular when you poll Americans. Are you surprised that that's become a sticking point for Democrats within this bill? This is the idea that the government should be able to essentially negotiate directly with drug makers and get lower prices.
1: Well, I think that it is, um, it's is—it's a policy that absolutely needs to be put in place uh, because fewer and fewer people every year are able to sustain the rising costs for their prescription drugs. I mean, I've had, uh, you know what my district is, I've had multimillionaires, even though they can afford it, say, can you believe how expensive this is? I mean, they didn't know until something happened in their in their families um uh, i've always thought that the um, uh, that the legislation that we had in the house once it got over to the senate uh that there probably would be some changes made uh but uh I, this is an issue um that has been you know the temperature of the american people has been building and building and building uh, over several years, and it's at a very high pitch now. So uh, I would say to any legislator, uh, if you want to step into the breach and uh, prevent this from happening, uh, there's going to be a, a, a tidal wave that moves against you. This is something that needs to be done. You know, we, we uh, negotiate in the VA, in the Veterans Administration. Uh, we have direct negotiations in TRICARE, that's the military healthcare system uh, for the military and their families. So I, I think the time has come. Uh, the, it, it will happen. I believe it will happen, and uh, the Senate may make some changes to the uh, uh, to the House bill. And um, uh, but I think the time has come for direct negotiation.
2: So just quickly, though, I mean, is there any other read for folks? You know, on in either party opposing this, then that they are worried about, say, big pharma and campaign contributions. I know there's an argument around innovation, but like, I I guess, like, why would you see so many people, do you think, in your caucus opposing something that is universally popular, as you point out, among Republicans and Democrats?
1: Well, I, I don't think there are that many people that are opposed I really don't. Now, on my committee, Energy and Commerce, the uh, almighty Energy and Commerce Committee, when we were writing the bill, um, uh, this was one of the bills, and we had three Democrats that voted against it. Right. Uh, and uh, three out of 30 something. Uh, and so it was a tie vote, 29 29. Uh, uh, but it, it came out of the successfully out of the Ways and Means Committee. So there were three Democrats there, but uh, I don't know of a groundswell in the Democratic Caucus that is opposed to uh, bringing down the cost of prescription drugs and the policy that in with the savings of some 400, I think in 76 billion over 10 years, We want to uh, uh, put in place additional benefits in Medicare for hearing, for um, vision, and for dental. So it's a it's a it's a big policy. Uh, with a huge price tag of savings.
0: Yeah. Well, you have some biotech in your district, but you are really the tech. I, I do. Yeah, you do. But, you, but you're but you also the tech center. Obviously, they're in Silicon Valley. Some of the biggest names in tech, Google, Facebook, uh, have offices and a lot of employees and executives as well in your district. What are your thoughts about? There are a lot of calls now to break up Facebook, for example, to increase regulation. I mean, how are you thinking about that question of whether tech has just gotten too powerful?
1: Well, what I'm uh, my um, top line is um, who's damaging democracy? Who's damaging democracy? I think every American company, especially those that grow and are so uh, extraordinarily um, uh, uh, successful, they owe something to America. It's, it's our system uh, that allows uh, for that. And, and I say bravo. I always want new companies to be born. Uh, but I have a problem with platforms uh, that are allowed to uh, to continue to uh uh, either carry disinformation or uh allow our democracy to uh, uh to be damaged and i think that's the case with facebook uh and uh and to some extent uh, uh you know with google uh so you know uh, you're asking if i think that you know antitrust and breaking companies up uh i i really think that we need to um uh, uh, to go after the, the parts that are damaging democracy. Because if you chop up a country, and a company into 10, 10 pieces, but they all still have those inherent bad genes, then you're going to have times 10. Hmm. So um, that's my... View in just uh,
2: just a few know. minutes, um, but you have. I mean, I think as somebody who represents that district, been willing to buck those companies when you need to. Uh, and I'm curious. One thing we heard recently through some uh, New York Times reporting was internal studies showing that Facebook knew that, say, Instagram was being was is very harmful to teenage girls in particular. Um, things like that. I mean. When you look at that type of reporting and, and sort of revelations, what is the role Congress could take in that?
1: Well, one of the most important roles that Congress um, uh, plays and responsibilities that it has, it has is investigation and oversight, uh, uh, where you bring in, um, uh, you know, the stakeholders, experts. Uh, in this case, it would be uh, uh, CEOs. Uh and examine, uh, you know, the questions that are raised uh, by their conduct, their product, how it's being used. So uh, I think that there should be hearings on this. When I read that, it, it was—it's not only shocking; it's sickening.
2: All right. I should say the Wall Street Journal broke that story, not the Times. Although they've yeah. done a bunch of reporting on it too.
0: So we're we have just a few minutes left, uh, Congresswoman issue But uh, where do we go? Okay. Um, you've seen Nancy Pelosi up close. You saw her probably. Did you go to the ball game last night? By the way, the bipartisan congressional I didn't, game. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. But you've seen her in many meetings. You've had personal yeah. meetings, and, and so she is. You know, she pledged uh, a while ago uh, to only serve two more terms as Speaker. Uh, that would be the end of this coming term this year, so next year. What are your thoughts? How, how do you think she's approaching that? I realize she's very busy. It's probably not top of mind, but knowing her as you do, how do you think she's thinking about it?
1: I don't know how much she thinks about it. I've never asked her, most frankly. Uh, I think that, um, uh, that Nancy, um, you know, she keeps her own counsel. Um, I think that she is, I, I have no doubt that That this place will not be the same without without her. I mean, this is her leadership is so unique that I I don't think, in at least in my lifetime, uh, we will see the likes of Nancy Pelosi again. But I also think that, uh, and I know that, uh, the day she walks out of this building, uh, that she'll have a wonderful, full life uh, with the. you know, the people that she loves and other things that she loves to do. So uh, I don't ask her. I, you know, those are not the things that we that we uh, gab about when we're together.
0: Yeah, well, she's certainly having a, a, an amazing final chapter. And whether it's the final one or not, we'll find out. But uh, it's an amazing time. Talk about three-dimensional chess, right?
2: All right, that is going to do it. Thank you, Congresswoman Eschew. We really appreciate your time on a busy day. Thank, Thank you. you. That's going
0: <laughs> <Take care. laughs> That's
2: gonna do it for this edition of Political Breakdown. We're a production of KQED Public Radio.
0: Our producer is Guy Marzorati. Our engineer, Chris Hoff. I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Schaefer.
2: And I'm Marisa. You can find me on Twitter at M And we'll uh, see you next time. Bye. Maybe there'll be a deal. Yeah.